and you're listening to a sermon from Bent Tree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentTreeChurch.com. Amen and amen. You guys can go ahead and take your seats. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He The living word of God was with God in the beginning and all things were made through him and nothing was made without him. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to the light that all might believe in the light for the true light The light that gives light to all mankind was coming into the world. The true light came into the world. And if you're wondering what all these lights are for this time of year, Jesus is the light. Amen? Amen, church. He's the reason for the season. He's the light of the world. And his arrival on this earth 2,000 years ago is why we put up all these lights during our darkest time of year. They're lights that point to his advent, his arrival into this world. So... Happy Advent, everyone, and Merry Christmas, and uh, why don't you guys go ahead and take a second. I'm sorry, I just told you to take your seats. Why don't you go ahead and take a second, say Happy Christmas, or Merry Christmas, sorry. That's weird. Where am I? Say Merry Christmas to someone around you. Take 30 seconds. Go. (laughs) Happy Christmas is like Australian, yes? It's British. Happy Christmas. What the gladsome did I just say? (laughs) You guys can go ahead and take your seats. That's fun. Oh, well, it's good to see you all here today. And for those of you who I have not met yet, I am Jeff Lormer. Uh, I'm the associate pastor here at Bent Tree Church. And uh, I'm really excited to preach to you all today. Uh, I'm filling in for Pastor Paul, who has been the unwilling recipient of the gift that so many are willing to give this time of year. Uh, someone went and gave him a cold for Christmas. So, yeah. What do I want to say about that? Don't re-gift that to me, please, okay? Um, you guys can just give me like a candle, okay? Um, anyway, I want to start our time today uh, by reading that Gospel of John that uh, in the beginning was the Word. Uh, I think it's a really fitting passage for the Advent season and because we've been in the Gospel of John for a while. But today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, let me see them. Bibles, have you got them? Ah, I like big Bibles. I I saw a phone there. That counts too. Yeah. Um, You guys are going to be in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, so you guys can turn there. Uh, But before we go there, I've got a few things that I just want to highlight for us. Uh, The first of those things is our women's Christmas brunch. Any ladies in the house? Woo! Yeah. I love it. There's always one dude that goes, woo! Thank you, dude. All right. Um... Here's the thing, my wife and uh, Pastor Paul's wife, Bibi, have been planning this thing for a while, and they would love to see you there, if you're a woman, that is, all right? Uh, but go ahead and register at btc.churchcenter.com, um, and make sure to invite all of your girlfriends, ladies, because it's going to be a really special morning. I've been 
working with my wife a little bit and seeing all the work she's been doing behind the scenes. She's been coordinating um, with all the different speakers and they're speakers from uh, your very own church. They're speakers from this congregation. So you're going to hear from a handful of ladies uh, as they talk about Jesus being their stable foundation this year. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be really special and worshipful and inspirational. So make sure you're there, ladies. You don't want to miss it. And the only other thing that I want to touch on before I get into our sermon for today is our Christmas Eve services at Bent Tree. Um, They'll be held on Saturday, December 24th. We will not be holding services here. You can worship with your family on the 25th. Um, But on the 24th, we'll have services at 2 p.m., 3.30, and 5. And we want to encourage you, especially if you're a member, to go ahead and register online at that same link, btc.churchcenter.com, and let us know which service you're planning on attending. And the reason why we would want you to do that is because we want to know if we need to open up another service for guests. We want to make sure we have plenty of room for all the people that would want to come. You do need to know the registration isn't required though, okay? You don't have to register, uh, but this is a really good link if you want to share with all your friends and family. I know this next week I'm going to be going to btc.churchcenter.com, register me and my family, and then I'm going to share that link with all my friends that don't have a a church home. Uh, Because here's what I know about Christmas time, guys. Um, This time of year, more than any other time of year, people are willing to accept an invitation uh, to come to church with you. And we've got a really special service planned for that day, a service where we'll be bringing the gospel truth, uh, the truth that you want your friends and family to hear. So I'm begging you, church, be the light to your friends and family this time of year. Invite them to church, invite them to your D3 group, invite them over for a meal, but just don't lock yourself in this season, okay? Um, unless you've got a cold, in which case, please lock yourself up, okay? But seriously, Jesus, the true light that came into the world, he wants to come into your world. Um, and he wants to use you to be a light to your friends and family this time of year. And so invite the light, invite them to Christmas Eve of and who knows, uh, God might change the course of their eternity. And one of our services... Um, <clears throat> I know God, he uh, saved my soul right around Christmas time uh, 20 years ago. Wow, 22 years ago, the year 2000. Um, God saved me right around Christmas time, and I know he wants to do uh, the same for someone else um, this Christmas. So invite your friends and family. It's going to be a good one. Well, with that being said, gosh, um, <laughs> you're going to think this is like a Catholic service or something. I'm going to ask you guys to stand again. We're going to read some scripture for the day. I love it. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21st, 24, starting 24, uh, 24, starting in verse 29. And uh, yeah, uh, I'll read it. You guys can just follow along on the screen. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they'll gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the earth, or one end of heaven to the other. So from the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This is the word of God. Amen, church? Amen. Thanks be to God. These are the very words that God, um, that God has inspired. They are words that will not pass away. And though the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of God will remain. Um, so let's pray. Uh, dear God, help us now to hear your word. 
Because your word does not fade with time and your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts to the quick and it breaks through all our walls of self-deception. The words of scripture, your words, are filled with your very breath. So come now in power and change us with the power of your word. For your word has the power to transform hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. And where others think they live on bread or calories alone, we, your church, We live on the very words you speak, for your word sets us free, God, and it gives light to our eyes. And by your word, the heavens were created, and the whole universe is sustained. And God, you sustain us. You sustain me right now with your word. Jesus, the words you speak are everything you've come to us. You're everything we need, and we know you'll speak today. So help us now to quiet the other voices in our ears and help us to hear your voice and respond. And I pray that your voice would make the dead heart come alive today. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, the living word of the Father, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. My words will remain. This is Jesus speaking here when he's talking about his words. Um, And it's funny, speaking of words, when I was a Spanish teacher, I would talk to my students all the time about the power of words um, and the power of language, because words are quite magical, actually. Um, Think about this. As a baby, what do you learn to do? You learn to push air through your lungs, up through your vocal cords. You learn how to vibrate your vocal cords, all right? Um, and then you learn how to manipulate your tongue and your lips and even like parts of your nose to make sounds, all right? Sounds that create unique like wavelengths through the ear or through the air, all right, that will vibrate um, the drums inside the ears of other people that will send an electrical signal up to their brain, which is just crazy when you think about it, right? Um, with just a word, you can literally make someone think something, all right? And you have this power to control someone with your words. I remember um, Exhibit A, I present this to you. My daughter, the first word she learned to speak, mm, ah, mm, right? She's learning to push air through her vocal cords, learning to shut her lips, mm, and then open her mouth, put her tongue to the bottom of her mouth, ah, and do the same sound, mm, mom. My wife and I go crazy, Right, well, me not as crazy because she's not saying dad, all right? But she's saying, Mom, and we're going, Ah, baby, and we're freaking out. And she learns in that moment that if I just make the right noises, I can control these people, right? Um, which is crazy. Um, but the thing is, is, it's not just babies that have this power. We all have this power. I saw a meme this week. Um, <laughs> I love sharing memes from the stage, but here's one of the memes I saw. It was like, if I say, imagine what it would be like to lick a table leg. Everyone can think, ooh. I can think about that. Like, which is crazy. If I say the word, I can make you think about it, right? Or what it would be like to lick the carpet. Everyone goes, ugh, I've never licked carpet, but I can feel it, right? Because words have the power to make you think something. They have the power to change the way uh, your brain works. And you don't have to be Professor X. You don't have to be a telepath to control someone's um, thoughts. All you have to do is say a word and you've infiltrated someone's mind. And you know what's really mind-blowing? is that I'm doing this right now, right? I'm saying words that are getting you to think things. So then the question becomes this. What do we do with all the words we hear? What do we do as words come to us? How do we process them? How do we sort them, right? How do we figure out which ones we want to influence us, which words we want to ignore? How do we determine which words we'll receive and which words we'll reject, Here's what I want to posit to you all today. Nothing about us 
as people is more important than what we do with the words that come into our brains. And by that same logic, nothing is more critical to determining our fate on and off this world than what we decide to do with God's word as it comes to us. Nothing is more important than this. Um, I love what Tozer says uh, about this. He says, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When I say that word God, and the wavelength goes through the air and hits the drum in your ears, vibrates it and sends a signal up to your brain and you think about God. That's the most important thing about us. Nothing is more important than how we receive God's word. Um, I really like what all the reformed guys will say about this quote. They say that actually it's what comes into God's mind when he thinks about you. That's actually the most important thing about you, which is cool. I like that. But my point remains, all right, nothing is more important than what we do and what we decide to do with God's word as it comes to us. And honestly, guys, as I've uh, read today's passage, I've thought long and hard about it, and I've examined all the details that God, or that Jesus himself gives us about the end of the world. Um, and Matthew 24, it's full of it, right? It's full of all these details, but I can tell you that this right here is what it boils down to. This is what Jesus wants us to take away from his sermon at the end of the world, all right? That nothing is more important than what we do with his words. Nothing's more important than what we do with the words that Jesus speaks. Will we ignore them or will we let them influence us? Will we receive them or will we reject them? <laughs> and even more than that, will we just forget that we even heard them? I don't, know, I don't know if this happens for you, but I'll hear a sermon. And then as soon as I leave and I'm sitting down eating at lunch, I'm thinking, what was the sermon all about again? So will we receive or will we ignore? Will we cling to the words that Jesus speaks? Or will we forget them? As Jesus wraps up his Olivet Discourse, this summary statement of his entire talk, this is how he ends his talk on the end of the world. It's the one thing we must have in our minds at the end of all times. All right? His words, this verse. Heaven and earth will pass away, disciples. Heaven and earth will pass away, church, but my words will not pass away. And what's cool here is Jesus is actually pointing to his very words as being authoritative, all right, as being supreme over every other thing, over all the other words that we're going to hear in this life. So if you're hearing anything from my talk today, hear this verse and build your life on this, all right, that heaven and earth will pass away, but the words of Christ will not. All right, um, I want to give a little context to where this verse comes, though. Uh, Jesus gives us this statement after three long, uh, three long years of traveling ministry with his disciples. Uh, throughout these years, he's performed miraculous signs um, and wonders. He's preached, and he's pastored, and he's prophesied. And now he's come toe-to-toe with all the religious authorities of the day. They won't stand for what he's saying, because what is he saying here? He's saying that his words are equal to God's words. He's putting himself on equal footing with God. He's claiming to be God himself. And what's more is that after this, he's, he prophesies his own death and resurrection. And that's something he's going to do in just a few days' time. But before he goes and dies for the sin of the world, he takes his disciples up the Mount of Olives, just outside of Jerusalem. And he sits them down. And then he tells them how it's all going to end. Not just how it's all going to end for the um, Jewish nation in AD 70, but how it's all going to end for all of us. But the one thing he repeats over and over and over again 
with his sermon at the end of all time um, is this. Don't let anyone deceive you with their words. He tells the disciples, don't receive all the words that the world's going to tell you, but trust in his word. Take him at his word and reject all the other words of the world as they long to take you captive. And you see this verse, um, you see this in the verses right before the verses I read today. All right, verse 23. If anyone says to you, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, hey, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. Made you look, no. Like, he's saying, don't believe it. For false prophets, and, or false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And see, I've told you beforehand. And I love that line there in verse 25. Jesus is like, guys, don't you see See, look at this right here. They're going to say, look, look, look. No, you look at me. I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you my word before it all goes down. You need to trust my words before all the other words that you're going to hear from the people that want to deceive you. And this is the summary of his entire sermon right here. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Seriously, guys, all the words that we hear in this word world, all the messages and content that we consume as they come to us, Jesus is saying, don't be deceived by them. We got to be so careful with the content we consume and the messages we receive and the social media people we follow, all right? Um, we got to be careful about the messages we expose ourselves to, we, the messages we expose our children to, because the words from the world that we take in and receive, these words will deceive. The words will take us for all we're worth if we don't take Christ at his word before all others. And you'll notice that even, um, you'll even notice that Christ, the one who came with miraculous signs and wonders, he warns us of all the miraculous signs and wonders uh, that the world will do to help, uh, to try to deceive us, right? Uh, Verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets, what are they going to do? They're going to rise and they're going to give you great signs and wonders so as to lead you astray, all right? And that's why you've got to be careful, church. You can't put your faith in the things that you might see a church or an organization doing. You can't put your faith in what you see them doing. You've got to put your faith in the very words of Christ. That's why our top value at Bentry over every other value is biblical truth. Because it's not about what you see our church doing, not about all the gifts that we collect for Lago Vista. It's not about all the Operation Christmas shoeboxes we fill or all the people we send to serve 6.8. No, that's not what matters. What you ought to look for in a church is whether they're preaching biblical truth or not. All right? And if a church or any organization builds their ministry on great signs and wonders and miracles and all the social media posts that go with that, I'm telling you, run from that church. For Christ alone has the words of life. Run to him. And if you end up trusting these things, you'll be deceived, even if you put your faith, uh, if you put your faith in anything other than his word. So please, church, hear his main point. Don't be deceived. As you look at all of Matthew 24 and 25, this is Jesus' fifth and final sermon in the book of Matthew, and it's a sermon about the end of the world. His main point is don't be deceived. Don't be tricked, all right? Don't let them take you, all right? Take me at my word is what Christ is saying. And people, uh, they get totally wrapped up in all the details uh, of, of Christ's second coming. They, they, they study it um, for a lifetime, all the little nuances in Greek about Jesus' words about the end of times, and in trying to get a glimpse about what the apocalypse might look like, they end up missing the forest for the trees. And Jesus' main point, the forest, is this right here, don't be deceived. Now, moving on to verse 26. So, if they say to you, hey, look, he's in the wilderness, 
don't go out. And if they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. And I love this verse right here um, because uh, these are the very words that I've heard the world use to try to deceive us, all right? I've heard it so many times before. Like people say, the mountains are calling and I must go. And I'm like, that sounds like potential spam to me, all right? Um, here's the deal. You go up to the mountains, you get out of the city, you get out of the wilderness. Yeah, you might find yourself, but you're not gonna find God, all right? Because God says, what, is, what does he say in his word? He'll melt the very mountains with his breath, all right, as he speaks. And yeah, you might find yourself in the wilderness, but I'm telling you, if you're not taking your Bible up there, you're not gonna find God. Okay, look at the other lie that the world puts forward. The world says, ah, you'll find God. You'll find inner peace in the inner rooms, all right? And I hear this all the time from well-meaning Christians. What do they say? They say, you know what? If you just get quiet and you go into your closet and close the door, and if you close your eyes and pray, you'll hear God speak. (laughs) No, be careful with that. Don't you realize if you're closing your eyes, you're missing out on how God has spoken already? So don't believe it, church, because if you're not opening your Bible, you won't find God. And guys, Jesus makes it crystal clear here. God isn't found in the inner rooms of your heart. Your heart is deceitful and wicked. You can't trust it. Don't listen to your heart. Listen to God as he speaks. And Bentry, if you've heard me and Paul preach for any amount of time, you're going to know the answer to this next question. Where do you go to hear from God? His word. This is where we go to hear from God. We don't run to some prophet. We don't run to some expert, all right? We run to his word because this is where we go to hear from God. And if you want to hear God's voice out loud, read your Bible out loud, okay? And this right here, I believe this is the point of Jesus' sermon on the end of the world. Rather than giving us all the juicy details that we might want, all right? We want to know what does the mark of the beast look like? We want to know, you know, is, it, is he going to come before tribulation or after tribulation? We want to know all these details. But he doesn't give us the details we want. He gives us the information we need. And what information do we need as the world comes to an end? Don't be deceived is what he says. That's the information you need. You need to take me at my word. You need to trust my word first. And Jesus, and Jesus also clarifies, he's like, listen, you don't need to worry about missing me when I do come, okay? Because when I do come, it'll be clear as day. For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He came riding on a donkey to proclaim his kingship. And the next time he comes, it'll be on a white horse and everyone will know. And sorry, there's no more prophets coming. Sorry, Joseph Smith. All right, and there's no more revelation. Sorry, Mohammed. Christ will return, and when he does, everyone will know how true he is to his word. And Christ is going to describe his second coming in just a second. But before he does that, he's got this really kind of interesting statement in verse 28. All right, it's one of those statements that like shivers up your spine, like Mufasa. Check this out. I love this one. Um, Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Okay, what are you saying, Jesus? This is, this is creepy. You're talking about corpses here and vultures? Well, here's the thing. Here's what I think Jesus is pointing to. I think he's pointing to the fact that there's going to be all kinds of scavengers and vultures and people that are going to try to prey on the mindless zombies that just believe whatever they're told. Vultures will gather to prey on corpses wherever they're found. And here's what I think you need to know to understand this verse, at least biblically. You need to understand that we, humanity... Humankind, we're the corpses. Throughout God's word, the people that haven't been made alive with Christ, what are they referred to as? They're referred to as the spiritually dead. And if you're not alive with Christ, you're a zombie. (laughs) 
Let me explain what I mean. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that all the people that just consume everything they hear, right? They just believe whatever they're told. They're the walking dead, all right? And they're going to be preyed upon. They're going to attract vultures. They're going to attract scammers and scavengers, charlatans and cheats, prosperity preachers and faith healers. People that will do anything to make you believe that what they're saying is true just to prey upon you, which is really creepy. But hear the warning, all right? Don't be a mindless zombie. Don't be one of the sheeple. Be one of the people that hear Christ's voice and respond to it. Because the thing is, we need more than just words from men. We need the voice of God to make us come alive. All right, scripture is clear as well throughout that God makes us alive. How? By his word. And I like how James, the brother of Jesus, says it. He says in verse 18 of his first chapter, of his own will, he brought us forth. And how did he bring us forth? How did he make us alive? By the word of truth. By his very word. The word of truth, that's how God makes us alive. That's how he regenerates us, all right? That's how he makes us so we can hear his voice and respond so we're not just mindless zombies anymore. And I'll tell you right now, um, I believe there's people in this room right now hearing my voice that haven't been truly made alive by Christ. And if that's you, I believe that God wants to give you a new life today. I'm praying that um, the Holy Spirit will speak through my words, that he'll speak through the Bible, he'll speak through God's words, and he'll bring you forth to life by his very word of truth as you receive his word. Because here's the gospel truth that you need to hear today and that it's crystal clear in Matthew 24. Jesus is coming back. Amen. And the church rejoices, right? Amen, Jesus is coming back. And you better take him at his word or he won't be taking you home with him. Hear me loud and clear. Take him at his word and trust him or we won't be taking you home from. Let me read that same passage that I read at the beginning of our time today. Immediately after the tribulation, tribulation, this is the turbulent times, the trying times of the end times. Um, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon won't give its light and stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Who's the son of man? That's Christ. Christ is coming back. And all the people mourning, those are all the people that didn't receive the word of truth, that haven't been made alive with Christ's word, the people that didn't receive Jesus as king. And they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And I can only imagine what it would sound like. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And I don't know about you, but this is one of the people I want to be. I want to be one of the people that are gathered up. All right? Part of the elect that choose Christ because he first chose them. One that's gathered from wherever we may be in the world, from all four points of the compass. Gathered unto him to go up to eternal life. Because all that aren't gathered with him and go up, Where do they go? So, when you hear this, Jesus is coming back. What does it make you feel? Will you be one of those that are mourning his arrival? Wishing that you had received him as your king? Wishing that you had entrusted your life to him? Wishing that you would have listened to his words? That you would have built your life on his words? Or will you be one of those that are rejoicing? I know I'll be rejoicing. Knowing that you received him as the king of your life, knowing that he's going to save the life that you entrusted to him, knowing that you heard his word of truth. Which 
one will you be? So I'm telling you right now, God commands you. It's not an invitation. He commands you in his word to believe in his son. And more than that, he's given you signs that point to the end of the world. Signs that say, hey, listen, it's coming. It's coming. It's more and more necessary. It's urgent. He's given us plenty of warning. Earlier in Matthew 24, Christ speaks of wars, of rumors of wars, of earthquakes and natural uh, natural disasters, of persecution and great tribulations, of an increase in wickedness. And I don't know about you, but you don't have to look far to see an increase in wickedness in this world. You just have to look at whatever you stream your whatever stuff on. You just have to look at the school system. You just have to look a little bit outside yourself and you'll see an increase in wickedness. And so when we see all these things, what does Christ say is coming? Well, he gives us an analogy. He says, from the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. When you see all these things, it's near. It's nearer than it's ever been. All right, and I'm not trying to be some sort of like doomsday prophet sitting on a soapbox or talking on a soapbox telling you the world's going to end, the world's going to end. No, I'm standing on the Bible and Jesus is saying the world's going to end, the world's going to end. Listen, when you see a tree budding and putting out its leaves, you know summer's on its way. So when you see an increase in wickedness, when you hear about wars and natural disasters, when you see persecution and tribulation, that means the end is nigh and Christ is coming back soon. And I think that's what verse 34 is all about. I think that's how this generation, I think that's how the age of man ends. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And Jesus isn't talking about a literal generation here. No, that would have been the disciples who all passed away before AD, before AD 100. All right? So it's not a literal generation. He's talking about the age of man. He's talking about the race of mankind. That's the generation that's going to pass away when all these things take place. And it won't just be all the people that pass away, will it? It'll be heaven and earth. It'll all pass away. And when heaven and earth pass away, church, one thing will remain. It's the same thing I mentioned at the very beginning. It's the same thing that was there in the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, was with God in the beginning. And though heaven and earth will pass away, the Word of God will Remain. I told you at the very beginning of our time, the most important thing about you is what you decide to do with the words that come to you. Nothing's more important than your response to the very word of God. Will you receive it or will you reject it? I implore you to believe and receive. Because if you don't, you'll be deceived. And that's the choice that Jesus gives us here. Believe and receive or be deceived. Um... And, you know, Jesus told a really neat story about how we respond to the word of God. Um, He talked about a farmer that went out to sow seeds. And he told this, it was called a parable, all right? Um, It's just a story that Jesus would tell, all right? To talk about how people receive. And he said, a farmer was going out and he was sowing seeds uh, in his field. And it didn't look like the kind of fields that we have nowadays where we've got our neat little rows and everything's all perfectly lined up. No, um, the fields look different in those times. The farmer was sowing seeds and some of his seeds, they would fall on a hard path, rock hard. 
and the seeds couldn't even get down. All right. And so birds came and they snatched up the seeds and some of the seeds, some of the seeds that were tossed out, they would fall on rocky soil. Careful. Don't trip on the rocks. All right. (laughs) They fell on rocky soil. All right. And the seed went down and it sprouted up immediately. But the thing is, is because it didn't have very deep roots because of all the rocks, the sun came and the plant withered and faded away almost as soon as it had been there. Then the farmer sowed some seed and some really, um, well, it was some soil with a lot of weeds in it, all right? And the seed sprouted and it it, it came up. But the thing is, is the weeds choked out. It choked out the plant that was supposed to grow. And the plant never came to fruition. It never never fruited. Fruited? It It was never able to be harvested because the weeds came and choked it out, okay? And then of the fourth soil... The farmer scattered his seed on. It was soil that had been cleared of all the rocks. It was soil that had been broken. Soil that had been turned up. Soil that had been cleared of all the weeds. And it received the seed. And it produced a fruitful harvest. 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. And the disciples were like, Jesus, what are you talking about? Like, I thought you were a religious leader, not like a farmer. So what, what are you trying to teach us here? And then Jesus explained, when he explained what the parable was all about, he said, listen, the seed that I was talking about, the seed is the word. The seed is the word. He doesn't say anything else. It's, it's the word that has been sown. All right? And the thing is, is some people, as they receive the word, they've got hard hearts. Hearts that could never receive it. Hearts that are so hard that it just goes in one ear and out the other. The birds come by and they'll eat it up. And then there's another soil that Jesus says, another type of person who will receive the word of God, all right, but because of all the rocks and all the big rocks in their lives, the things that they can't move, they'll take it at once with joy, but they don't have deep roots. They can't get deep roots. And so what happens with those people? Well, they fall away just as quickly as they might have heard the word, they'll quickly forget. And then there's another type of soil, Right? You guys remember, it was the one with all the weeds. And this is the soil, guys, I'll, I'll, I'll get pastoral with you for a second. This is the soil I worry most about for us at Bentry Church. It's the soil I worry about for America. All right? Jesus says that as the seed is sown there, as they receive the word, that there's weeds in their life that choke out the word. And what are the weeds? I love it. He gives us two names. He says, the weeds are the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of this world. The deceitfulness of wealth. And man, that's something we can resonate with. Wealth deceives, right? Wealth promises you joy. Wealth promises you um, success. Wealth promises you everything you would want, but it deceives you, right? And you think to yourself, man, if I just had that job, if I just had that promotion, if I just had that one thing in my life, if I just had that school, if I just had that, and it deceives you and it chokes out the seed that God wants to sow in your life. Well, that's one weed that Jesus points to. The other one is the worries of this life. And man, that's one I resound with. That's one I resound with so much, um, church, especially this time of year, I get to worried. (laughs) You might even be in that place right now where you're worried, where are we going to eat for lunch? What am I going to do after this? But it may even be bigger worries like, who am I going to (laughs) marry? Who am I going to be with the rest of my life? Am I ever going to have a kid? It might be worries like, Am I ever going to lose that weight? Am I ever going to get that one thing that I want? Guys, we have these worries that choke out the word of God 
so where we can't even hear it. And this is what I would not want for you. That as God's word is being sown, as it's being preached here today, that you're so worried about something else that you don't hear what I'm saying to you right now. And that is that if you let the word fall into your heart and you clear out the weeds and you clear out the other big rocks and you let those hard times in your life, those times where it feels like your soil is being broken and turned up, if you let all those things point you to Christ to receive his word, church, I'm telling you there's a harvest. Church, I'm telling you that God's looking to use all those hard things in your life. He's looking to use those to bring forth his harvest in your life. So what will you do with the word as it comes to you? Will you believe and receive? Or will you be deceived by all the other words that come to you? Let's pray. Christ, I thank you for the word that you've given to us, the gospel truth that that you made this word world, you were there in the very beginning, and we made a mess of this world, God. But you made a way for us to be right with you. You died on a cross, you paid the penalty of all of our sins, and you invite us now to make a choice to choose you, God. And so I pray right now, firstly, for my church, those who have believed your word, God, but those who still might have some rocks in their lives that they need to clear out. Those that have got the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of this life choking out your word, God. I pray that you would help them to uproot those weeds in their life. I pray, God, that you would use the hard times in their lives, times that are turning over the soil in their lives, the times where they feel broken and hurt. God, that you would use those times to bring forth your harvest. And God, I pray for anyone who maybe is hearing for the first time your word, your word that gives life, your word of truth that regenerates souls and makes the dead heart come alive. God, I pray that as we hear your word, that we would come alive, we would respond, and we wouldn't shun your word as it comes to us, but that we would receive it. And if that's you, or this is the first time you've prayed or the first time in a long time, Just know that I'm praying for you and I'm praying with you as well. Um, And we'd love to talk. I'd love to talk to you after service. We've got pastors here. We'd love to talk to you as well. We want to help you as you're looking to remove those big rocks in your life, as you're looking to deal with the lies that the enemy feeds you about wealth and about worry. All right? That's what church is for. We want to believe and receive together. We want to grow together into the deep-rooted disciples that God has called us to be. So don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect the Sunday gathering. Don't neglect your D3 group. And don't neglect the word as it comes to you. Guys, you can look up here. One last word I want to say to you all. Um, Rick, he led us in a song earlier today, Joy to the World. And man, that's what I want for you in this season. I want joy for you. And God wants joy for you as well. All right? But here's the thing. What's one of the verses? Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. And this season can be so busy. This season can be so full of tumultuousness and full of things to do, presents to wrap and people to see. I pray that you would (laughs) prepare him room in your heart this season. Just as Jesus went around, well, he didn't go around. He was in his mom's tummy at the time. And she went around knocking on doors of the innkeepers in Bethlehem 
saying, is there any room? Is there any room? And there was no room at the end. I pray that that wouldn't be your heart, that you wouldn't be like one of the innkeepers that says, sorry, Jesus, there's just no room. I got to go get the gifts. I got to go watch the Broncos. They suck. Don't watch the Broncos. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm begging you. I'm imploring you. Don't let the busyness of this season distract you from the actual business of this season. The light of the world came into this world that you would believe and you would receive. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. Before we sing, we're going to take a minute. All right, there'll be some music going on. And it's just a minute for you to believe and receive. Receive this word as it's been preached to you today. Receive the word of Christ. All right, it's a time to just be quiet in your heart because this is a busy season, but it's a time to prepare him room that you might have a joy that you can share with the world. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bentry Church. To get connected at Bentry and for more information, please visit bentreechurch.com.